Tonight's uh, Garden of Amuna. The class is called Amuna, being opened for the right moment. You remember that the last two Garden of Amuna's classes we discussed the issue of aspiration, comma, not yet. And then the last one, that was two ago, and the last one was about why won't God let me succeed. The third one, which is today, is going to be about Amuna being open for the right moment. The moment has a lot to do with it. We're going to discuss today two levels. We're going to discuss today the time and place, and then we're going to discuss the person. Two separate issues that need to line up correctly for whatever needs to happen to happen. So let's start with an interesting question about time and place, okay? Let's ask the simple question, those of you who have had any background in studying Hasidis, Kabbalah stuff, you'll understand something very interesting, that when we talk about celebrating Shabbat and a holiday, what is Shabbat and what is a holiday from a Kabbalistic perspective? So we all know, we learned it, and by the way, Kabbalah is great, but the bottom line is the simple pshat, and then beyond the simple pshat that gives life to the simple pshat is Kabbalah. So whenever we talk about such a question, we're not negating the simple verse. For six days he worked, and on the seventh day he rested, and thus on Shabbat we are all commanded to rest, plain and simple English. And then when you have the holidays, it's so too, it says in the Torah, to commemorate Passover, the Exodus of Egypt, and so forth and so on. But let's get beyond, beyond the regular scene. And let's ask, what is Shabbat and Yontiv all about? Interesting enough, we learn out that Shabbat is Oneg, and Yontiv is Simcha. Most communities will have what we call an Oneg Shabbat. Traditionally, women will get together and have Oneg Shabbat. You don't have Simchat Shabbat, you have Oneg Shabbat. What's the difference between Oneg and Simcha? Oneg is pleasure, Simcha is joy. So by Yontiv, holidays, it says Simchat Yontiv. Right? Usamachta v'chagecha. You shall rejoice. It doesn't say you should rejoice on Shabbos. It says you should rejoice on holiday. So the two separate things. Holiday is joy and Shabbos is pleasure. Why? So just in brief for a moment, because we're going to have to come back to this concept later to really understand tonight's class. But just as a way of introduction, the regular divinity that shines within a regular day is what we call the external unification between wisdom and understanding which gives birth to babies, which are called emotions. So we have seven days of creation because there are the seven emotions with which God created the world. And that's why you have the famous Zohar, when it says the six days, it says, Ihu yomim Elohim, these are the supernal days. What are the supernal days? The supernal days are the Sfirot. Which Sfirot? The second category of Sfirot, which is called emotions. So you have Sunday is Chesed. Chesed is revelation. Revelation is light. Monday is Givura. Givura is separation. And we have the separation between the supernal waters and the lower waters. And this goes on. Friday is foundation. The foundation of all creation is mankind. Adam was created. Shabbat is Malchut. It's the day of rest. It's the day of higher sensitivity. A total different paradigm of consciousness. That's Malchut. It works the same thing with the millennium. You have the first millennium is kindness. People are living for a long amount of days. The second millennium is Givura. We see the story of Noah. We see the story of the Babylon Tower. 
The third one is Teferet. Teferet is the attribute of truth, which brings together the two extremes. That's when the Torah was given. Torah is true, and so forth and so on. So when we talk about the normal flow of weekdays, we're talking about the external unity between wisdom and understanding, Chachma Obina, father and mother, and from that external relationship, there is this natural flow of life force, which is the life force of your regular day. When it comes to Shabbat and Chagim, we talk about a from a divinity point of view. Why is it so different? Why are you not allowed to do so much mundane work on Shabbat? Why aren't you allowed to do so much mundane work on Chag, on the holiday? Why is it that on holidays you're allowed to cook and you're allowed to carry, and on Shabbat you can't even do that? So when we talk about this from a Kabbalah perspective, it all is going to be answered by the divinity life force which is revealed in that day. And the lower the revelation, the more you have room for yourself. The higher the revelation, the more we expect nullification. We expect you to be able to put yourself on the side. For example, if you live in one of the outer cities of the king, that's one level. When you're in the capital, we expect a different level of consciousness. When you're in the palace, a total different level of consciousness. When you're in the throne room, the slightest movement to a friend, like a little nudge, hey, look at that, your head's gone. Off with the head. And in the throne room, you just stand there. Nada. So that's the way we look at it from a Kabbalah perspective. Depending on the level of revelation of divinity within that span of time is what will define what that day is. So when we talk about holidays, we talk about Bina. Bina is understanding. In Hallel, in your holiday prayers, what do you say? Aim habanim smecha. We talk about aim, the mother, which is bina, and we refer to it simcha. And because bina, which is actually beyond creation, we mentioned before that creation is the seven emotions. When we talk about beyond creation, we talk about introducing the two intellects, which is what we would call primordial. Then there's a whole different dimension of consciousness then we don't have room for so much mundane work. In the presence of this transcending divinity, we need to remain silent. So Bina is Simcha. And that's why the laws of the Chag is the laws of the Chag. What is Shabbat? Shabbat is the revelation of Chachma. And because Chachma, wisdom, is introduced, the internal level of wisdom, which brings a whole different out-of-creation experience into creation, and therefore Shabbat we expect nullification. There is no working, there is no cooking, you stay focused on family, on God, on prayer, on Torah study. So what I shared with you just now is that Shabbat and Chagim is not really so much about down here, for down here is a reflection to up there. And when up there we're introducing greater levels of divinity, down here the Jewish people need to react. Introduce the internal level of Chachma, there's no working, there's no cooking, there's nothing. It's Shabbat Kodesh. The word Kodesh, we don't use that by holiday. You ever notice? You don't say Chag Kodesh. You say Chag Sameach. You say Shabbat Kodesh. Those of you who study a little bit of Kabbalah will know Kodesh is synonymous with Chachma. 
Holy equals wisdom. Simcha, joy, equals bina. So I gave you this introduction to just ask one question. Now that we understand that the whole process of Shabbat and holiday is all about divine revelation, now we're having a revelation of Chochmah. Welcome to Shabbat. Now we're having a revelation of Bina. Welcome to Chag. Now we just ended. Make Avdallah. Let me ask you a question. If it's all about what's going on in heaven, why does Shabbat begin and end differently in different geographical areas? What's the difference geographically? If in heaven right now is Chachma, what do I care that in New York it's 420 and in uh, Florida it's 520 and in Australia it's already Sunday? If right now the revelation's happening, then right now it's happening. So let's say, just for argument's sake, let's say that the way it works is that heaven works with Jerusalem. That makes sense. Well, very good. So if in Jerusalem right now it's Friday night, then we, Friday morning, should be making Kiddush. Because either Chachmah is going on in heaven or it ain't going on in heaven. The reason I introduced this question is because I want to share with you the importance of when we say a muna is being open to the right moment. The Mazritcha Magid, disciple and successor of the Baal Shem Tov, teacher of the Alter Rebbe. He has an amazing teaching. He says that the Bet of Bereshit, second letter, Bet of Bereshit, I mean first letter of the Torah, but the second letter of the Alephase, number two. The Bet of Bereshit created two things. And these two things define creation as we know it. And what is that? The way we define creation as we know it is time and space. Time and space is what rules creation. We all know, by the way, time and space are interrelated. In the world of physics, you, one's measured by the other. But for right now, time is something you and I all relate to. We can't bring back the past, and we can't rush into the future. Time rules creation. Because time and space, the bet of precious, is the platform upon which creation was created. And that's why when Maimonides introduces that by God, the past, present, and future coexist, tomorrow happens and yesterday will be happening, the Rambam writes, and the human mind cannot perceive this. The laws of Teshuva, he struggles over there explaining how we can have freedom of choice and God's in control and God knows, if God knows, God's knowledge, God's knowledge is demanding, it makes it happen. He gets into the whole issue and he says he doesn't, he can't explain it. And time, to be able to transcend time, is beyond human capacity. So while we could right now here start daydreaming about yesterday, which practically to me means that you're not here now, you're actually there then, but simply speaking, time rules. Now that you understand that, 
we understand that the gateway into creation is time and space. So we have the infinite past, present, and future coexisting, and we have creation where yesterday, today, and tomorrow, defined as past, present, and future, dominates and rules how we know creation. Thus you'll understand the answer to the question. Amazingly enough, what's actually taking place is that in America or in Florida, Chachma will not be shining until 5.11 this Friday. While in Israel, it's already way past. In Australia, they're already having Sunday tennis. Because the art of creation is that the infinite past, present, and future coexistence will fit itself into the finite definition of time and space. By understanding this, we'll understand a very interesting piece that's explained in Tanya. That even though every drop of Torah you study is a transcendence beyond time and space, and thus the unity that happens between you and God in one moment of, of Torah study is infinite. It never stops happening. Thus, if you studied once Torah, you are being hugged by God, and you are hugging God infinitely forever. Ah, if that be the case, why do we have to study two moments? And the answer the Alter Rebbe gives is that because we are placed in time and space, so even though the unity is infinite, it's infinite up there. The challenge of life is to have it down here. I'm going to go over this one more time. It's very important to understand today's Garden of Amuna class. So the challenge that we have is to fit the infinite into the finite. Because if it isn't in my finite, then I don't have it. Even though it in its own right is infinite. So even though yesterday's learning is infinite, and it has me one with God today, but infinite up there. To bring it down here, I need to now learn. So down here, as we know it right now, if I'm learning now, I'm united with God. If I'm not learning now, I'm talking God forbid Lashon Hara, then I'm not united with God. I actually am in a back-to-back -back relationship with God. But that's only from down here's perspective. Because up there, everything is infinite. So if I, one moment in life, study Torah, I am infinitely and forever one with God. But let me ask you a question. If I were to give you $30 million locked in a safe without the code, what would that mean to you? You understand what it means to be infinitely connected with God, but not finitely connected with God? Have you ever heard that expression, oh, I'm a good Jew in my heart, but I don't do a thing about it? I've got an infinite relationship with God, but I just don't have time for the finite stuff. So the power 
The power of our relationship with God is the bet of Bereshit. We need to bring the pre-bet into the post-bet. I need to take the infinite oneness I have with Hashem and bring it into the finite now and here. So now you're understanding what the title of today's Garden of Amunah class, which comes from the Garden of Amunah book, is all about. Amuna is being opened for the right moment. Because time is extremely important. To have this infinite connection that could happen at any moment is beautiful. But if it doesn't happen now, I'm going to be evicted. So I know that infinitely God in his infinite bank can at any moment give me a trillion dollars. And it's already there because God has promised it to every Jew. But if I don't have it in my bank account before four today, we have problems. So what we're talking about time is very important. So we could have a relationship with God where we have earned an infinite abundance of goodness and health and happiness and finance and everything you want. But if I can't bring it down into time and space, and if I can't be there in the right moment and be open to that right moment, then I am infinitely a zillionaire, finitely, as they say in French, of Gahak And sometimes, more often than not, you feel this. More often than not, you have this amazing, omnipotent feeling. You've put work into it. You've worked on yourself spiritually. You've worked on yourself mentally. You've worked on yourself emotionally. You've worked on yourself in the secular studies of what it takes to make it happen. And you really feel that it's all there. It's really going to happen. But if you can't bring it down into time and space, it's not going to happen. There'll be another one of those tombstones. Here lies a man who had great potential. So when we talk about bringing something down into time and space, to be able to know I've cooked it all. It's cooking. It's ready. Now I need the right time and space. So the first part of this class, when we talk about time and space, I'm actually demanding of you to actively bring things down into time and space. It's interesting that there's a teaching that the Ari HaKadosh, the Arizal, the great Rabbi Gloria, always articulated everything he learned. Because he didn't want to just bring it down into the world of intellect, he wanted to bring it into the physical world. And when you have lip movement and ear coming out of your mouth, that is bringing it into the physical world. Time and space. Don't, don't keep on building up potency and then not letting it express itself correctly in time and space. 
Yet that is where Amuna needs to come into play. You see, the letter He is an amazing letter. It represents the three garments of the soul. Thought, speech, and action. Notice that both thought and speech is connected and that action is hanging down there. You see, it's very easy to flow from thought into speech. But it takes a hop, skip, and jump to get into action. Why? Because, it's funny, I mentioned before to you guys in the Tanya class, if you can peek into my brain, you'd notice I'm a great dancer. But the last thing you ever want to do is see me on the dance floor. Because in thought and speech, I have it all worked out. But in action, it's a problem. Because what it takes to go from thought and speech into action, time and space, physically, is faith. And that's why you can't slide into it. You've got to jump. You've got to be willing to leave the protection of your own brain and heart and have a free fall into the faith of God. Faith in God. You ever heard that Jackie Mason joke, right? The Jewish people, they break down, they open up the road, and he's looking at the engine trying to figure it out, and he's about to make a move, and his wife says, don't touch! <laughs> You're nervous. Yeah, we have it figured out on paper, I understand, I've been watching the engine, it's all good. But to engage, physically engage, to leave the protection of my mind and heart, that's why many people who dance in their brains don't get onto the floor. Because the dance they get on the dance floor, you risk being a fool. In my brain, no one's ever laughed at me. It's a different world. So emuna is what allows you to be open for the right moment. And I know that I'm playing with the title, I'm doing it with for a purpose. Because before we can even engage with what does it mean to have emuna, it means to be open for the right moment, let's talk about the hardcore work which that demands for us. You need to have enough amuna to bring what lies in your mind and heart into real-time space. Stop planning and planning and planning and planning and planning and research and research and research and researching and you've got a whole amazing stack of research and it's all there, you got it all planned out, but I'm not going to make a move. So to bring it into time and space, you need to have amuna, Because without that, we are all infinite. We're all zillionaires. We're all married with 20 kids. We're all a beautifully living life, spiritually speaking. But to bring it down here, you got to make a move. And to make that move, you have to have a muna. It takes a lot of faith to step out of the protective walls of your own brain and heart. That was the first piece of tonight's class. The second piece I'm going to hold off for a moment, and I want to now divert away from time and space. We'll get back there in a moment. I want to talk about person. You know, when you read books about finance, many of these books will have a specific chapter on freefall, a windfall. I'm sorry, right? What's it called? You all you win a lot of money, windfall, right? Because windfalls have caused more damage than they have caused goodness. It's an interesting study. 
that most people in Israel who won the lotto, which they call over there Toto, ended up having to run away from Israel because of financial problems. Timing is extremely important. There's something that all the studies in the world won't do for your brain. There's something which just takes time and maturity. And the right thing in the wrong time is not a blessing. The right thing in the right time is an extreme blessing. And that, by the way, is across the board. Get married to the right person in the wrong time, and you're going to mess up an amazing potential of soulmates. Go ahead and become a millionaire at the wrong time, and you're going to end up on drugs. But if timing is taken consideration, if we're not rushing to the destination, but we're enjoying the journey with God, then things work out as blessings. Remember the story in the Torah we just read? Potiphar's wife saw in the stars that there's going to be offspring between her and Joseph. But she made a little mistake. It wasn't her, it was her daughter, her adopted daughter, Asnas. She saw, but she didn't realize what she saw, and she was rushing it. That became a terrible thing. People got hurt. So time also from the human perspective, not from the time and space perspective of the world, but from your own perspective. Don't rush into goodness before you're prepared for goodness. Now, I need to be careful because I've had the pleasure of getting to know some of you people, and some of you people just got a license to push off success for another 20 years. Not. Not, not, not. Just like rushing it isn't good, pushing it off too long isn't good. I found the right girl, and when I turn 50, <laughs> no. So we need to know from both ends. We need to know from both ends, from your perspective, and that's why the Rebbe Blessed Memory has instituted everyone should have a Rav, a Lecha Rav. Have a teacher, not a teacher who's going to tell you the law. That's a different, that's a rabbi. We're talking about a selah It means someone who you really trust. That when you talk to him about yourself, it's you that's the center of his focus and not him. And that you're willing to sit with him and say, I'm allowing you into my cockpit. You will now be the pilot. I'm going to tell you the choices, I'm going to tell you my research, and you're going to decide what I should do. Do you know why? Because it's impossible for the human not to be too close to himself to be influenced by ulterior motives. Many of us will choose what's easier versus what's right. And because we would never admit to that, so our brain will play with us until we finally make what's easier right, and now what, I did the right thing. So it's important to have someone to be able to tell you 
you're not ready yet, or someone to tell you, stop stalling. You're just lacking faith. You need to do what you need to do. Get your faith. The time is now. You're ready. It needs to happen now. So a very practical thing we're talking about what to do now is each and every one of us need to have someone in our life. And it doesn't have to be one person for everything. I personally have different mentors for different issues. When it comes to education with my kids, there's someone that I call up. When it comes to different areas in the shul, there's someone I call up. So it doesn't have to be one person. If you feel one person is more, shall we say, developed in a certain field, and in this field I really, really trust him, regardless of whether I like what he's saying or not, whether it's easy for me to do what he's saying or not, I'm going to allow that to happen. So the practical thing to know if the time is right, you need to have an outside person who really cares about you, who you allow to know you, and who's willing to take upon himself the responsibility or herself, the responsibility to be your mentor. And if that person tells you you're not ready, do not do it. If that person tells you you are ready and you're procrastinating because you're not willing to crack open your heart and find the one jug of oil of pure faith, then it's time for you to do that. So what we spoke about right now is, is two things. We spoke about the importance of bringing the infinite into the finite. Bring the plans into action. Bring the two lines of the hay into the third line of the hay. And that takes faith. What we also spoke about is the importance of time from the person's perspective and how developed you are. So I'm not focusing on what's going on in the great big supernal world of time. I'm talking about you as an individual. Previous Rebbe was quoted saying as follows, that age doesn't just work on the passport. You can be 40 years old and a very immature child. You can be 13 years old and be a very developed Jew. So the second concept of time is talking about your personal development. What are you ready for? And then there's another issue. Another issue that we're going to discuss now. And then we'll open up for questions and answers. Another issue is a story that happened. It was a Purim. And the Rebbe gave an amazing talk about something that Tzemach Tzedek said. And he said that the Tzemach Tzedek said that just like clothes that are too small aren't good because they don't fit, clothes that are too big aren't good because you can trip over them. And the Rebbe explained that he's talking about money. Just like too little money is not good because you don't have what you need, too much money is also a challenge. You can trip over it. And the Rebbe explained it really harshly. So you can imagine at that point everyone's like, okay, so uh, wealth isn't exactly the key to this for bringing. And then the Rebbe said something. The Rebbe finished off that sikha. It's actually recorded. You can have it. It's what I call an iPod for bringing. To me, an iPod for bringing is a for bringing that happened before I was old enough to be there. But I can now hear it. The Rebbe says like this. No. If being poor is a test and being rich is a test and we have to take a test anyway, why not take the test of wealth? And then the Rebbe said these words. Whoever wants to be rich, raise your hand. We know poor people that raise their hand. What we didn't know at the time was we. I wasn't there. 
But what people didn't know at the time was what the Rebbe was saying. Because on the iPod, I get to hear what they didn't hear. Because the microphone is right in front of the Rebbe. Most of the people standing there probably did not hear what the Rebbe was saying. I want to share with you some of the things that Rebbe said. Oh, so now we have an auspicious moment. All of a sudden, everyone's playing spiritual and smart. They don't want to raise their hand and ask for money. Tomorrow, you're going to write to me. Tomorrow's not going to be an auspicious moment. Listen to the words that I was saying here. The Rebbe was extremely upset and frustrated that everyone wasn't raising their hand. But look what the Rebbe did. First, the Rebbe spoke to you about what kind of challenge it is to be rich. Made it sound like being rich is something you want to stay away from. And then the Rebbe offers you to be rich. I have an uncle. He's uh, in Crimea, Russia. And he once explained to me, why did I ever do that? Because to be rich, you have to have chutzpah. So the Rebbe was setting up a scene where you'll have to have chutzpah. Now we know that you can be rich. And it's true. To be rich, you have to be chutzpah. Because if you're just going to be a tail swinging on the rear end of society and you have money, that's very dangerous. But if you've got an opinion, if you've got, got a connection, you know priorities, that's, that's wealth that enhances. doesn't uh, make you all messed up. Yes, your hand is itching. That's a sign of wealth, by the way. At least that's what my grandmother told me. So... The concept is as follows. The concept is that the Arizal tells us that time is gateways. What does it mean that time is gateways? That means that Passover is a time that if you have a certain self-imprisonment that you can't break out of, I can't do this, I must do this. Pesach is the gateway for time, that right now you can break free. Yom Kippur is a gateway for Teshuvah. So you can break free from a, a habitual pattern any day of your life. You can do Teshuvah any day of your life. But Teshuvah on Yom Kippur and breaking free on Passover is different than doing Teshuvah on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday or trying to break free from a habitual pattern on any other day. So time is really gateways, especially if we go back to the introduction that I gave to this class. Time is defined by what's taking place in the supernal worlds amongst the celestial beings of which unities are taking place. And some people have a talent. Some people have a talent of always being in the right place in the right time, being ready to do what needs to be done. Other people have a talent to always not be in the right time, not be there in the right place, and not do what has to be done. So you'll have a Jew who realizes, today's Yom Kippur. Today, I am focusing on Teshuvah. And then you have another Jew who just gets caught up on Yom Kippur. And the day after Yom Kippur, he wants to do Teshuvah. Teshuvah doors are never closed. But hello, yesterday was a day. Why weren't you there? So there was a person who wrote into the Rebbe after Pesach that he had a serious problem. And the Rebbe asked him like this. Yesterday, the last day of Pesach was Mashiach Suda. Why yesterday by the Febrengen didn't you say a Lachayim? We could have taken care of it very easily. Now it's going to take a lot of hard work. It's amazing how the Yitzhahara plays with us. 
It's amazing how right when the time is most auspicious, the Yitzhah feels it and he'll do anything to stop you. Tomorrow, he'll leave you alone. As they say again in French, clap, clap, and bunt. Put your head into the wall. The Holy Rogachava, probably the one person we can say is the Rebbe's teacher. The Rebbe from a very young age was writing letters to the Rogachava, asking him questions in Talmud and Rambam and Law. He said like this, you blow a shofar on Rosh Hashanah, it's the most exalted mitzvah in the world. You blow a shofar on the third day of Tishrei and you're blowing a beautiful trumpet. It's that real. It's that real. Forgive me for the example I'm going to tell you right now, but in parenting, this becomes an issue. I don't mean parenting. I mean in, in having children. There's 72 hours of ovulation. Don't wake up in the second week. It's all great, <laughs> but it won't work. There is spiritual ovulation. There are times that now fertilization is possible. Don't wake up tomorrow and daven with Kavana, because now is the time. So if you get a flyer that a Chabad house is inviting you to a specific holiday function, no, that's okay. I'll, I'll go later, speak to the rabbi privately. When no one's there, I'll go tomorrow. Because here he's going to be busy with 250 people coming to a party and everything's going on. I'm not going to have his uh, private attention. Tomorrow I'll make an appointment. Beautiful. Tomorrow you'll have a private appointment. In Yiddish they call it toitabankes. You know what toitabankes means? In the olden days they used to do bl bloodletting. They used to use leeches. But if you have dead leeches, <laughs> say healthy toitabankes was a, was a famous saying that Yiddin had. Go today, mingle amongst 250 people, have the rabbis two seconds of attention, be there in the moment, Connect, because now it's fertile. And then tomorrow, work it out. And it's amazing how the Yitzhahara plays with us, day in and day out. You guys remember the famous, uh, I don't know why I'm quoting Jackie Mason today, but okay. Remember that uh, famous Jackie Mason piece? That house, I almost bought it. It's 1950, I was like that. And they, they told me not to buy it. He says, really, why don't you buy it now? Now, now it's too late. There's a little bit of truth to what he's saying. It's not ultimately true because it's never too late. And there's always chances. But don't be an ibechuchim. When a chance presents itself, act. Don't all of a sudden become timid. Don't overcome, become, become too embarrassed, too shy. That the Yitzhah tell you, now's not the time. Tomorrow I'll dive in. Next day I'll go to, to business. I'll meet him at a different time. You need to act in times of ovulation. You need to act when fertilization is possible. If not, we're going to run into problems. So the amuna here is that when the time is right and the Yitzhah presents to you 20 reasons why today you can't do it. Have a Muna. Don't argue with the Yitzhahara. He's smarter than we are. Just a Muna. If in the Torah it says that now is the time, then now is the time. Don't eat matzah 
in middle of Kislev and don't light your menorah in, in April time. And if the fifth candle is an amazing candle with huge powers, then don't make a big issue out of the fourth candle instead of the fifth candle. There's a time when to do things. And those are auspicious moments. Yes, does a Jew have a power to turn every Monday into a holiday? Yes. The Rebbe didn't tell him that now I can't do it for you. The Rebbe said, but now it's going to take a lot of hard work. So we're talking about a Muna in a simple level. And by the way, one of the litmus tests of if it's the right time is if you're finding ridiculous amounts of reasons why now not to act. Just think about it. Yetzirah sees what we don't see. He sees it. And he sees that now, more than ever, I got to get this guy busy, lazy, stupid, depressed, whatever. Now's the time. Because now it's too dangerous. Now at one hop, skip, and a jump, he's out of my hands. So most often, you see it and you prepare and you get excited. It comes time for execution. Uh, Amuna, jump, just jump, make it happen. You did your preparation, you got your stuff, you got your gag together, you did your strategic planning time, you put everything into place, now's the time, make it happen. How many Jews went down with unactualized potential because they always had a reason why not? And the more you're having reasons not to do it, the more you should know you're experiencing ovulation. If you want to have a baby, now, not later. The simple, the simple answer I gave you was two things. Number one, I told you when the Torah tells you. Pesach, eat matzah. Chanukah, light the menorah. Don't have an amazing experience of yoga, olive oil on Chanukah, on Pesach. That belongs on Chanukah. And don't rush out to uh, get chocolate-covered matzahs on Hanukkah. Do that on Pesach. So first and foremost, Torah. The Torah tells you what day is open to what divinity. Number two, if it isn't a Torah issue, your strongest answer, there's a verse that we say, from my enemies I become wise. What I don't realize how important it is, my enemy realizes. And if my enemy is putting on extra energy against this, that just told me how important this is. If now out of all days, I cannot get myself from neutral into drive, I can be extremely sure that today is the day. I'm going to just close up right now, guys. I hope we... we can understand each other. Let me just quickly close up the three things that we spoke about and then we'll go ahead and we'll start the question and answer, okay? Number one, we spoke about the importance of bringing things into time, time and space. So we are infinitely connected with God, with everything that we've ever done. But tell me what you're feeling now. What are you doing right now? We're all just by being promised through Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, we're all happily married, we're all healthy, we're all wealthy in heaven. We need to bring it down into time. The infinite into the finite. Number one. 
Number two, you need to be ready. You, as a person, need to be ready. Not too early and not too late. You can never be the one to decide that because we're too egotistically related to ourselves. Get yourself a mentor who you trust, lay out the facts, do your research, present to him all options, and then trust that this is the person that you picked to be able to understand what's going on and care about you. Number three, have your babies while you're ovulating, not two weeks later, okay?